Welcome to the eighth Model Office podcast in our Science of Compliance series. Here we continue the retail investment advice practitioners and interview Yorkshire-based financial planning firm Berry & Oak, Chief Executive Andrew Elson, who focuses on the challenges and opportunities his firm faces and how he's dealing with regulatory and market risks. So without further ado, let's listen in. Hello, my name is Chris Davis, and welcome to the eighth episode in our Signs of Compliance podcast series, where we aim to debunk myths around compliance being a business prevention unit and inhibitor to show how compliance can enable your business to not only survive but thrive, particularly now through these turbulent times. In this interview, we've got Andrew Elson, Chief Executive of Berry and Oak Financial Planning, to better understand how practitioners in the financial planning market um, are experiencing the challenges and opportunities that they've got at the moment and building a successful professional business against the background of increasing regulations and market risk. Hello, Andrew. Hi, Chris. Thank you very much for inviting me on today. And thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy diary. I know how busy you are. Um, just tell us a little bit about your background and Berry and Oak's journey to where you are today. Well, I started off as a financial planner in old TSB Bank that then became Lloyd's TSB, uh, which yeah. was a good place to be and learn sort of financial planning skills, you know, soft skills of teaching with clients. But I quickly got to a stage where I was outgrowing their model, which was always seeing new clients and wasn't about servicing and looking after clients. And I wanted to be in a more independent world. So I left in June 2004 and joined the Millfield Partnership. Um, which was a network at the time that uh, older listeners will be very aware of, went through a few changes, finally ended up as Honister Network, which went into demise in 2012. We then joined the Beaufort Planning Small Network, which is a group of advisors trying to sort of work together and not have a network mentality, but a partnership mentality. And that was a very good to be able to work with like-minded firms but eventually, uh, we decided that we wanted to have our own brand, our own identity, and be fully in control of our own destiny and not have anybody be able to change our name or give us rules that we had to follow that we weren't keen on. So in January 2018, Berry & Oak was born, and we became an FCA direct firm. Yep, great. And that's a great journey. And what would you say the biggest challenge is to you making that choice and then actually going through with going DA and setting up Berry and Oak and how did you overcome them? Well, the, the most uh, hardest bit we had at the, at the start was going through the FCA forms and that was simply just <laughs> understanding their forms and their terminology. Even just yeah. from, it, it took me a, a few months to work out what type of firm we were because the language that they have in their forms and paperwork is just bewildering. And it's probably yeah. a good bit that, makes you realize is that how clients see us when we talk about various forms of pension so it helps you bring you back to a clear english language framework um, so yeah. we needed to understand what we needed to do um, our way around that is we we worked with two different compliance consultant companies 360 and cats who were able to help us explain the forms they rolled up their sleeves and got involved in helping them be filled in uh, helping make sure we had all the right documentation, such as a business plan, um, and all put together and, and, and took us through that 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 journey of getting uh, regulated. 
there's also quite a lot of other things you need to do just from setting up agencies um, and be able to, to to sort of start on day one. And then as you go on and develop from there, the, the, the other challenges have been working out what sort of level of detail and record keeping you need to do, what policies yep. and procedures you need. And more importantly, once you've got a policy and a procedure, how do you make sure everybody in the business actually follows it and it's not just on the shelf? Um, so again, yeah, working point. with our compliance consultants have definitely helped that way. We've also worked with a number of sort of leading business consultants um, at different times. We've sort of dropped in and out of using different people at different times that suited where we were with our business. And we've been able to take all their best ideas and cherry pick what we thought were the best ideas to, to put into our sort of framework, whether it's client segmentation, charging, uh, compliance policies, the way we review to, to get us in a way that we, we run very out today. Great. And what would you say is your vision for the business? The vision for the business has been sort of the, the go-to place for independent financial planning advice in, in Yorkshire. Um, we yeah. want to help our clients, their families realise their life goals and ambitions. And they can do that by just you know using proven, sensible and attainable financial planning steps. And they don't, they don't right. need to do anything clever or crazy, just good, solid, sensible financial planning steps. And we're there to support them you know, and help them however we can. Yeah, and one of the things we used to talk about when I was a practitioner was obviously kiss your clients, which is keep it simple, stupid, in, in the sense of just keeping it really, really simple and not overly complicated. A bit like what you were saying regarding the FCA forms uh, and all that complicated terminology. Um, just bringing it back to basics so that everybody's on the same page and understands where they're going. I mean, what's very evident, having known you for a couple of years now, Andrew, is that Barry and Oak have a great team spirit. Just talk us through how you've built that evident team, strong team spirit over the, over the last couple okay. of years. Okay. And I think we, we have spent quite a lot of time getting to know everybody in the team at the moment. And we, we spent time trying to find out what, what is the common thread between our current team members because we've, you know, we've had a very good core of, of team members that have you know been with us a while that you know they, I feel if you cut them open they'd be like a stick of rock with Barry and Oak through the middle of it and it's <laughs> what is that that created it and I think we you know they've all got a very similar set of values um, and they match Barry and Oak's values um, they've got a vision for the future that they want to you know be constantly improving uh, and they want to be there to be able to deliver and service our clients um, the best way that they can. So they are a very client-centric team. Um, so, you know, and I think even though they've all got different personalities, it all blends quite, quite well. So I think a lot of time was sort of understanding what we had and what worked at Berry and Oak. And then when yeah. we're looking to add new team members in our recruitment, it's very much we need a like-minded people. So we have people present to us as part of their the recruitment process now about how they would fit our six values and to actually demonstrate an example of where they, that they can show that they, that they have that value in there. Um, so yeah. we take quite a lot of time to recruit new people into the team. Um, all the team are involved in the interview process, whether that's sat in the meeting or the interviews or we always now have like um, an orientation day before somebody is offered the job where they come and spend a day with us. So that in that day, the teams get a chance to chat to them, talk to them, find out about them. 
Um, and for the team, would you know, could they see them working side by side with this person? And, and same for that person, can they see themselves working side by side with us? So the, the team very much have a, an involvement in, in growing and development the team. And we, we've always been very open with all the team as well. So they know what's going on, what's happening, um, what our visions are for the future um, and the role that they play in that vision. Even things like, you know, we're going through renewing our PI insurance at the moment. So we've talked through what, yep. what we need to supply to the PI insurers, why we need it, you know, why what we need to do to demonstrate we're a good risk. Um, so all that gets shared with the team. And when we get the, the PI terms, which came this week, which was great, um, you know, explains to the team, you know, we're here again and here's what we've been able to, to get. Um, sharing client right. survey results, you know, talking through the results. And whilst generally our results are always very, very good, how can we get them even better? Um, we've done a number of award submissions and we talked to the team about the data that we're putting in to, to, to back up our award submissions and why it's considered in the in both our business but profession that those things we're doing to be good. And again, what are their ideas mm. that they can uh, suggest to, to improve the way we run the business, the way we look after the team and the way we interact with our clients? I think that's really important, Andrew, because what, what, one of the big things that's coming out from that is, just, is, is, is the people within the team realise the important part they have to play in the creation of a strong brand and, like you say, a client-centric business that Barry Noakes certainly evidently is. And, you know, obviously not forgetting you are an award-winning uh, financial planner. Yeah, yeah we, we are. We've, um, you've, you've won quite a we've, few we've been very humble for, for that. It's, it's been, you know, it's been a fantastic journey we've had in the last couple of years. Um, and I think, it, you know, it is testament to the, the hard work that all the team have put in, um, both in promoting the brand, delivering on the brand, delivering on our clients' um, sort of needs and requirements, um, and, and being there, even the, the, the work they've done in helping in the community and the work they help in the profession. There's, there's quite a few different team members are involved in the mm. profession in different guises on committees or CPD events, etc. But I think the, the other mm. big benefit that we've had with the team is they, they all take turn to sit in our client meetings. So administrators do, right. power planners do, training advisors do, even the compliance team do. Um, and that gives them a, a real understanding and sense of what goes on, what our clients are looking for when they see them face to face. They hear the client's worries and concerns. Um, they hear the good, you know, the thank yous and the praise that they receive. Um, and they get to see, yeah. the, you know, the, the, the value that clients have placed on the advice that they're given. And even as far as, you know, we, we, we put like a client pack together for review meetings. And it takes quite a bit of time and effort for the team to put that together. And when they've seen it actually in the client's hands and the client goes, oh, fantastic. This is just what I wanted. This is really useful. It makes them think, oh, what I'm doing is good. The client's valuing what I'm doing. I've not just produced a spreadsheet for the fun of it. The client actually values what I've done. That's really important. So looking at the end outcome is, is, is really, really the impact. That, that that's probably the biggest thing, Chris. On, on, Definitely. On the, the, the impact that yeah, the team excellent. are making on the clients, it's not just the advisor. Mm. Without the team, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to deliver half of what we do. Yeah, for sure. Understood. And um, let's move on to um, some of the challenges that we're seeing in the marketplace at the moment. And you've already mentioned one, actually, the professional ins you know, indemnity insurance conundrum and regulatory levies issue. 
um, that that certainly the industry is is grappling with at the moment. Just interesting your views. Let's talk about that one first. What what, what are your views on you know the the PII? Uh, side and the regulatory levy side of it and what, what, where do you think things could improve yeah i think obviously it's uh, it seems to be something that a lot of firms now going through an annual review just to make sure they can do business next year there's you know they, have, they haven't got the yeah. certainty that they'll be here in three five years because they might not get pi insurance and and that's obviously something that needs to improve especially good firms that are yeah. doing things right you know it should just be an automatic you know my car insurance has come up for renewal you know, best deal, sign it, pay for it, move on. Not, you know, weeks and months yeah. worrying about it or pulling data together. So it's obviously something that as a profession we need we need to fix. And I, I know there's there's a lot of big pushback being given to uh, both the FCA Select Committee, a uh, number of professional bodies. I was speaking to Keith Richards from the Personal Finance Society very recently, and they've got some good ideas yeah. and they, you know, they're, they're engaging with key stakeholders from, PI brokers, PI underwriters, the FCA, um, and you know they, they are making suggestions on things that that could change and improve, but there are things that will take time and they will take um, you know changes in legislation. I think in the meantime, yeah. you know, as as financial planning firms, we you know we've we've got to do our bit. We've got to keep the high level and standards that are displayed by the majority of firms. When we're seeing wrongdoing, we need to whistle blow. And uh, and help um, yep. shop these people that that are bringing our profession down, and I think as a firm, start your PI process early, pay give it a lot of attention, um, look at the data that they're asking for, p- provide it in a in a in a good manner, and and provide other information about why you are a good risk. Are you using outsourced yep. compliance tools that are demonstrating your business is improving? Um, I you know. Have you got a, sp- a specific person in your business that deals with compliance rather than the you know the main advisor does it you know once every few months just to tick a box? Mm. Can you show the level of detail yep. that you're going to? Um, and 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 then and I think at the same time support the professional bodies that are pushing it back. I know they you know a lot of time they ask for information and support uh, and advisors you know to 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 help and and often there can then be a lot of silence. And you know, a handful of people put their hands up to help, and the rest just step step back and let everybody else get on with it. And I think we all just need to take, pay our part to to show the impact that these you know difficult times in PI and and FSCS costs are having, and help to improve them. Yeah, that's 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 all to the good, Andrew, and, and thanks for that. I think um, the, the interesting thing there is is that you know, as a lot of our listeners know that. You know, at Model Office, we're very much putting a shoulder to, to that wheel that you just talked about in the sense of working with PI underwriters, and brokers, um, showcasing. And the most important thing is showcasing the firm risk, not just the hard market risk uh, and showing that a firm actually is has got really good evidence, really good data, really good MI um, to showcase that they are a continuing good risk. And that should be reflected in renewal premiums or new premiums. So that's something that's interesting. And I think you know, you've mentioned the importance of the professional bodies as well, because there are, you know, I know Keith Richards is doing some really good work at the PFS regarding, you know, the the, the regulators and the stakeholders that are involved in the government. So uh, that's all all to the good. And um, what are the challenges you see at the moment? Do, do you see, you know, you mentioned segmentation. That's a big one for the FCA with product governance, prod as it's called. How have you tackled that? Yeah, one? I mean, we, we found client segmentation and prod a, a very interesting uh sort of bit to deal with from there in that we you know 
as a financial planning firm that financial planning is basically at the core of what we do the this, this sort of segmentation um came sort of difficulty because we thought you know we, we offer you know a very good level of service to all our clients and to start looking at different ways was was hard to understand um some people look at it differently whether we you know we do online for less um less complex and and uh, cases and you know more frequent meetings face-to-face meetings multiple teams for more complex ones um, I think most people's solutions, the end product is pretty much usually very similar. Um, you know, we can argue between is active better than passive and change the, 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 the pricing on those. But I'm not necessarily convinced that, the, that there's a right and a wrong solution to that. I think there's times when A beats B and B beats A. Um, mm. um, so, so, so product uh, frustratingly seems to be becoming a very big, complex system for I don't believe a massive amount of good different client outcomes because as a small financial planning business that feels that we're doing things right anyway, we were doing it right anyway. So I don't feel that we're doing anything different apart from the man hours we've yeah. we've, we've spent on segmentation and prod. Maybe yeah. it's different at a bigger firm when you've got 20, 30 advisors and they're all doing things different then maybe that's something that, that that needs to be thought out. And that that's maybe one of the things with the regulator. I think sometimes the the the, the sort of uh, onerous sort of procedures put on a small firm that actually isn't going to make a lot of difference which way it um, ends could could be curtailed and more focus be given on bigger firms where there's more you know, there's a bigger risk and a bigger reach. And therefore there's probably more need yep. to make sure that there's you know consistency but also different segmentations into there. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's difficult for, you know, the certainly, you know, the, 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 the small medium firms, if you like, to, to, to be able to jump through those hoops, certainly when they're only dealing with a, a select number of clients as well, um, you know, as, as a lot of, of boutique firms tend to do. So, um, but I think the, the, the key areas that, you know, certainly uh, we we advocate, you know, firms tend to take a look at is looking at the client journey, looking at their behaviours. It's not just about their assets. It's also about their behaviours, their needs from that perspective and uh, and looking at, you know, how can client segmentation help with that to make sure that, you know, you're always going to offer suitable services and products for to meet their needs. One thing that's tied into that, Andrew, which I don't know if you've got much to do with, is the is the environmental, social and governance factors um, that, that's just come you know, in vogue, if you like, for the, over the last year or so. Have you, have you been involved with e, ESG? Yeah, it, it's something that, that we discuss with all our clients. Um, it's something that uh, yeah. very much at the beginning uh, I got very wary about because there's a lot of fund managers out there that have suddenly put an ESG sticker on their funds. Um, uh, just to, you know, it's mm. great from a marketing perspective. Look, we're ESG friendly, but when you ask them the questions, you find out, no, they're not. I remember being at this, the Citywide conference last January and questioning one of the ESG people. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, but, but we've still got oil in there. And he said, yeah, yeah, but you'd, you'd have oil in because it's doing really well. Yeah, but it's not ESG. Yeah, but it's, doing, mm. it's a good share still. So you're like, you, you can't be mm. sort of half in or half out with ESG. Um, I think that, and there are obviously some very specific solutions for ESG, but I also believe that actually a lot of firms and a lot of fund managers and investment managers are probably already applying a layer of that anyway. Um, so they might have not have gone the mm-hmm. full whole hog and done the, you know, it's absolutely 100%. But 
but it's going that way. Yeah. Um, so I think ESG is all is, yeah. is becoming a little bit automatic, but you can go super ESG if you really wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know it's all about the research and due diligence, which I know you guys do do uh, in abundance. And I think you know making sure you've got that process in place to 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 then uh, look at the client segmentation piece and think you know where does this apply. So I think that's it's all about the evidence based approach, which goes back to what you were talking about with regarding the PII as well uh, side of things. What about pension transfers? What, what any views on on, on where where the market is with? With pension and by this then, Chris, I, I'm assuming you're moving sort of DB, final salary pension transfers. Yeah. And again, it, it's probably a, a, a big frustration here. It's probably a bit like a pendulum on a clock. You know, we, we swung too far that we there were too many transfers being done that probably shouldn't. Um, and even though all the warning flags were yeah. out there, um, people still piled in. And I think the regulator was very slow to react. I think now it's gone the opposite way. Um, where there's too few people now able to give um, this advice because the PI is just scared of it. Um, the regulator you know, doesn't mm -hmm. seem to want it. Um, and therefore, there are clients now not getting that advice um, because nobody's prepared to do it. And I think so much time and effort mm -hmm. is now being spent on DB from having a triage policy um, and a bridging policy to how you give the advice. It can't be contingency charged. Um, and, I, and it actually still surprised me that actually anybody's out there giving the advice because, you know, looking at all the regulations mm. and all the stuff coming through, it's like, why would you? It just seemed like it's, a, you know, unless you're a very big firm yeah. with, you know, very robust um, policies and procedures and some, you know, a number of you know, specialists to build it together. It's just not a market that you really want to be involved in right now. It's just, there's just too much risk. No. Um, even, you know, doing it for all the right reasons for that, that client. It just just feels like it's not going to be later on in the, in 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 time with claim you know ambulance chasers claim chasers um, and 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 a, just a, a lack of understanding of what good looks like in this space. I think I think the big you're right, and what I'm hearing there is that you know you you've got to play to your strengths, and you know if if something like pension transfers, as in you know just to be clear, the DB pension transfer market. Um, you, you will need all those specialist skill sets involved in that. And that takes a lot of time, effort. And it needs to be almost, to right. that's all you uh, do, Chris. Got... You know, it's all we do is this. Correct. You, you, you yeah, can't be a, a, an holistic financial planner that on a Thursday does a DB pension transfer. Yeah, just because they feel like it. You're right. Um, I totally get that. Um, just um, taking a look at where we are uh, at the moment in the current pandemic climate. What would you say, you know, how are you, how have you dealt with the pandemic as a business and, and the challenges and the resilience risks? Okay, good, good, great question. Again, it's something that's taken a lot of time, a lot of planning, uh, very much, you know, talking to the team, how they felt, what they wanted to do, um, you know, adapting to working from home, sometimes working in the offices, some at home, some in the offices, um, how you kept the team talking, how you kept them communicating how you kept um, track on workload, uh, making sure that, you know, the, the, the right stuff was being done at the right time um, has been interesting. Um, we've, we've, we've taken the opportunity to engage more with our technology. So things that we plan to do in the next two or three years, we probably did in two or three months. Um, so we massively use much more of the intelligent office facilities, um, the portal from there and communicating with clients via the PFPs become pretty much that's our, our standard way of working now. 
we've got clients um you know yeah. using it for valuations um their dashboard um we're docu signing any documents that we can um they're 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 being sent that way um we've you know looked at all the paperwork that we were filling in and is there any ways that we could um cut steps out to make it work um yeah. but i think also we've you know been there and been present for our clients i think was a big thing in the pandemic especially in the early sort of first few weeks couple of months so i think all our clients we, we spoke to on the phone at least a couple of times just checking they were okay nothing to do with their finances nothing to do with their investments just what's going on what can we do to help um yeah biggest thing i think we found with a lot of our clients generally are sort of approaching retirement or have retired and they were all right because they were sort of getting out of the work environment the investments might have fallen a bit but they they understood it was a longer term game um but the problem was their children their children in the 30s um you mm. know early 40s late 20s more often than not they were the people that had been furloughed lost a job deferred their mortgage payments don't have a financial advisor didn't know what to do so we just said look you know if they're your family they're our family we'll just give them a ring so we we were speaking to quite a lot of our um the clients of our children pro bono you know just talk to us what's going on give them a bit of guidance give them a bit of direction um and, and for, mo- for a lot of those people they, they just felt reassured having had the chance to speak to somebody and said i you, you've got options and here's all your, here's are your options or this is the right thing for you to do um was just very reassuring yep. and the feedback we got from our clients was they were so grateful that we helped their children out um and all it took was a phone call so i think their yeah, communication has probably been the biggest thing to to focus on in this pandemic um and to keep on communicating uh, I, I would agree with that completely. And, and I think really, what I really like about what you've just said, you know, if it's, it's, if it's your family, it's our family. That's, that's really a great phrase, I have to say. And, and the key issue that, you know, we've, we've got a sister business called, as, as I think you know, called Engage Insight, which is a consultancy business. And we've done a lot of research over the years on what clients and, the, and financial advisors and planners and wealth managers are doing. And one of the big, the, the, the top one that comes on all the time for clients is what they want is reassurance. Um, they, they, they want that, you know, that's why they employ people like you, you could sell um, to ensure that they know that they're going to be okay. Um, that, that's a big one for them. Um, just a couple of final areas, Andrew. Um, what would you say your clients? Well, I could just say just what you said two minutes ago, but it is, <laughs> it's, it's the close relationships that we build with them. It's, it's having a sounding board, somebody yep. to run ideas by, um, somebody to just say, yeah, everything's okay. You're on track. That reassurance um, that they've, they've, they've made good yeah. choices and they're doing the right thing. You know, somebody just to pick up the phone and talk about any worries they've got. And often they're not, they're not even the financial bits. It's they, they've got a problem with them. I'm buying a car or um, there's a problem with this. What do, what do you think we should do? You know, you really are as a sort of like a trusted mm-hmm. advisor with them. And that's just a peace of mind that financial yeah. planning brings that, you know, you are on track. You know, we've got a plan B. Um, if you need it, we've probably got a plan C as well. So there, there, there are options. It's not just mm-hmm. we'll just have to cope with what it is. Mm. Yeah, great. And where would you finally, where would you I think five years time, we want years. to keep on steadily growing the team. We, 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 we don't want to become a monster. 
Um, so it's it's adding a handful of like-minded financial planners that will do it the Berry and Oak way. Yep. Um, you know, and that's probably going to be a mixture of young and old advisors, older advisors that have got the experience to look after the increasing number of clients we're looking after, but also young people joining from university mm -hmm. or career changes um, that they're going to be able to be the next future, you know, be able to take the Berry and Oak name on uh, further from there. And obviously linked to that, we need to, you know, gradually build the the sort of support team to to deal with the increasing number of advisors but somehow do that and, and not lose the Berry and Oak feel for both clients and the team. Yeah, that's that's great. And that's a great way to, to end today's podcast. Andrew, thanks so much for your time today. It's very much appreciated. I'm sure our listeners will get lots Super. out of this. Thank you. I'm glad I could help. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, Andrew. Well, that was a great session with Andrew. We thank him uh, very, very much for taking the time out of his busy calendar, particularly at the end of the year, um, to talk about all the key areas that are important to him and his business and how he's worked so hard uh, to build Berry and Oak into an award-winning financial planning outfit. Um, key points for me, three key areas that came out from that. Um, there was much in there. But the first area was the importance of the team, uh, involving everybody, all the team in all the activities, including client meetings, really important so that the the staff members, the team members can see the results of the hard work that they put in um, to uh, running uh, the business. The second area was really about the clients um, and the your family is our family uh, ethic. I think that's really, really interesting. And, and the big part of of, of Andrew's um, service proposition is, is really reassurance. Um, not do I think I'm okay, or am I gonna be okay? Uh, particularly when we've got big challenges as we currently have at the moment with the pandemic uh, and obviously Brexit coming over the hill. So um, that reassurance factor is, is so important. Uh, and that really is one of the key areas why financial planners and advisors out there do, uh, do really important jobs uh, with their clients. The third area was obviously about compliance, uh, governance and risk. And um, Andrew spoke very eloquently about the professional indemnity market and regulatory levy issues that the industry is facing at the moment. Um, and the key areas there are around evidence-based practice. So clear data, uh, clear management information, taking the time to speak uh, to the uh, underwriters, uh, making sure that they're involved uh, in the process so they understand um, the challenges and how you're overcoming those challenges and also all the good stuff that you're doing in the marketplace. It's very important for us as a reg tech uh, business at Model Office that we, you know, we want to work with the with the professional indemnity insurance underwriters and also look at the regulatory levies in, 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 in an overall holistic view and, and basically ensure that all stakeholders uh, are seeing in abundance the, the good work that the vast majority of firms are doing. So again, using good quality um, governance risk compliance tools uh, can certainly help with that. So we very much enjoyed having Andrew on, uh, on this session. Um, please do look out for more uh, podcasts coming your way early in 2021. And I'd just like to wish you all a very safe and a very merry and uh, Christmas and a very happy and healthy new year. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.